Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Boiler Express podcast. Um, as always, uh, you got uh, me, uh, your host, uh, Ultimate Boiler. Uh, got the the, the crew here uh, as well tonight. We've got Chris or Five O Ghost. We've got Dylan, Russ, Frank, the Stat Tank. All the uh, all of the crew here tonight, um, and we've got a good episode. Uh, and uh, if you've not been, if you're not familiar with the Boiler Express podcast, we're just a, a a group of guys who wants to change the narrative on Purdue athletics to be more positive to. Um, have a better outlook on things, even when the sky might be falling on Twitter, uh, as it does occasionally in the uh, Purdue universe. So um, if this is your first time tuning in, we're glad you're here. If uh, you're still here after, uh, I think this is 24, 25 episodes now, uh, we thank you for that. And yeah, we're sure to have a good time. So um, <clears throat> kind of a, a a pretty good week, I would say, in, in Purdue uh, basketball athletics. You know, we had a a pretty good game against Penn State, beat them by, um, I think it was, was it 20 or more than 20 or, uh, it, it was something around there. And then, uh, you know, we did lose to, to IU, um, you know, had a, uh, had a tough first half, but gave a really valiant effort in that second half just came up short. Um, but we'll kind of talk more about that and get into it. Um, and then we've got actually a, uh, <clears throat> a viewer question, uh, tonight. Uh, so we'll kind of talk about that at the end as well and get everybody's opinion. Um, and then of course we like to do a draft in here from time to time. So we'll, we're going to do one of those as well. Crap, um, you settled on that. I totally wasn't paying attention. <laughs> we did. You better be ready. Um, so Great. yeah, uh, Purdue basketball this week. Uh, so I, I think it was, was it Thursday they played Penn state? Uh, yeah, it was, it was Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So, uh, played, played, played Penn state Wednesday. Um, Penn state played pretty close the first half. The, uh, it was funny, you know, we, we always joke. There's always that one guy who does not shoot the three, three well at all. And then comes against and plays against Purdue and then, you know, has a pretty good game. And, um, I can't remember what his name was. I think it was, uh, Michael uh, Hen, right? Michael Hen. That's what it was. Yeah. And yeah. He, uh, you know, had some threes there against ED and looked like it might be a problem. And I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of worried uh, at first because um, Pickett really hadn't got going yet. And so I was like, man, if this guy's hitting threes and then Pickett gets going, we might, you know, we might be in trouble here. But uh, ended up not being the case. Um, so what were you guys' thoughts on uh, at least the first half of the game? <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. You know, Hen hit, I think he was two for two to start the game. Um and I, I didn't necessarily panic. I mean, I know he's a guy that Shrewsbury has talked about wanting to get more shots. Um, you know, he had only made, I think, like five threes on the season coming into the game. So, um, you know, he's a, a career, you know, 38% shooter. So I, I got a little concerned that we were, you know, just leaving him wide open. But, you know, he's definitely not a volume shooter. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the first half, things kind of got off to a, a rocky start. We kind of struggled early against the zone, I thought. I don't necessarily know if we expected that. Um, and Penn State actually threw three different defenses that I was able to see. Uh, they actually played some box and one against us, uh, and they were, they were uh, the one being Fletcher. Uh, so if anyone, anyone who doesn't know, that's a defensive formation that's mostly like a, used in high school where you 
basically have four guys in a box um, kind of around the, around the paint. And then you have one guy that you kind of face guard. Um, so it was really kind of unexpected. And I know Painter said they <laughs> had done that some last year and they had even played some triangle in two, um, which I didn't see um, in this game. But that doesn't mean it wasn't there for a possession or two. But I really don't think we expected um, the zone to start off. And, you know, we, we had some open threes. They just didn't didn't go down. But, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to talk about this game and not just want to, like, gravitate toward the subject of Mace, Mason Gillis. Uh, I mean, just what a, what a game uh, for him. Who? What happened? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, so uh, you were you you were there, right? At, I was. I was. I got yeah. to uh, yeah talk treat about my brother in law to his first uh, Mackie trip. He's a unfortunately he's a Louisville fan. Um, he's read the Brom thing in my Ooh. face ever since that happened. But uh, he uh, he remarked very early on as the lineups were getting called out. Wow, this is what a student section looks like. I didn't know these existed anymore. Uh, because yeah, Louisville, they have student seating, but not a student section. It's just remarkable. It's day and night the the comparison between going to the Yum Center for a game as going to Mackey. I always describe Yum Center as like almost an NBA type atmosphere. You know, yeah, the majority of the fans there are rooting for the home team, but there's no synchronization. There's no college atmosphere feel. It's downtown by the river. It's not even on campus. So, uh, well, that and it's called the Yum Center for God's sakes. I mean, that's right. Just- Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, he's a fan. He was uh he was like asking to stop and get a t shirt and a hat on the way out. Um so I, I think he's right. he's half he's half a Purdue fan now. So we'll take it. I think uh I was expecting that game to be the same as it was at the Palestra. Like I just thought it was going to be a dog fight and just fighting back and forth. And honestly, the first six or seven minutes it's it was going that way and then Mason joined the chat. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember yeah. remarking over and over again because, again, my brother in law is a Louisville fan. ACC follows some SEC with Kentucky, but I kept going, hey, 22, <clears throat> that's their guy. 22, there's that, that's their guy. He's going to go off. And then it was Lundy that hit a couple like circus big shots. And it was like, what, what, what's going on? Like, when's Pickett going to join the game? And it just never, never really happened. So was it Lundy the one that, uh, Morton was guarding him like as much as he could possibly be on him without fouling him. And he just kind of flung it up there and it went in. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be that kind of game, huh? Yeah. Um, but I was looking at the stats of the game and we shot 31 threes, made 14 of them. Uh, and uh, I believe a certain someone accounted for nine of those, which is pretty crazy. Um, so it, it was really good to see us shooting the ball so well from three. Uh, I know a lot of that came from just one person, but it, it was nice to see that get going. Again, I hope that Fletcher starts to get going. Uh, again, I feel like, you know, he's not been necessarily quiet the last few games, but I feel like maybe just not as offensively productive um, as he has been uh, to, I would say, like, the you know, the last three games versus, like, the last ten. Um, I don't have any data behind me to, to prove that, just a, a feeling, and we all know that those are real and true. Um and data science is stupid, right, Frank? Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll <laughs> go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, shot uh, 45% from three, 51% overall. So pretty solid game. That second half was a lot of fun. It felt like everybody uh, was just going off. And I, uh, I would love, I, I mean, nothing was ever posted, but I wonder how close one of those Gillis threes got to breaking. David Jenkins Jr.'s 
Jenkins Jr. Uh, you know, decibel record that he literally just set in the last home game. I wonder how close that guy, because I mean, Russ, you would know it, was, yeah. it sounded pretty loud on TV. Yeah, I was seeing the same thing, and it was it was almost kind of cool. It was not almost; it was definitely cool being there. But when he would, when you'd be going down on offense, everybody'd be like, you'd you'd hear this like murmur start of like, okay, get the ball to Mason, and then he'd get the ball, and you'd hear everybody going shoot, shoot, and you'd hear like this roar, and then like he'd go to shoot, and you'd hear this oh, and then he'd it'd go down, and it just the place would just roar. It was it was awesome. I was definitely very happy um, to have some Mackey roars for my brother-in-law to experience because uh, this is the second of two games I was able to go to, and I took my dad to the Nebraska game, and the Nebraska game was just one of those we kind of steadily just kept the lead and built it and built it, and there was no like I mean yeah obviously you cheer big shots or threes or whatever, but there wasn't anything that like really got everybody into the game. But with Penn State getting within six there at the beginning of the second half, um, and then Mason going for that record, it it definitely woke Mackey up and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the sound of like whenever somebody goes for a three and you just hear everyone kind of gasp and they're like, <gasps> and you like almost see everybody freeze and then it goes in and you just see the whole place erupt. That's probably the coolest part of that experience. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I couldn't help but wonder the entire time if Gillis knew, you know, what, what was on the line and what was at stake and, um, uh, no shame. Uh, but I did listen to his interview on field of 68 uh, and what he said on there, he didn't know until after the game, um, where they uh, until Robbie actually came up and told him that uh, he had broken the record. And I, I, I honestly believe that um, because knowing Painter, he's not going to be the coach that's on the sideline saying, "Hey, you know, you're one three away from breaking the record, right?" Uh, yeah. Because he's a coach who wants to manufacture a a, a, a high quality <laughs> shot every single time. Uh, you know, we we have the ball, so I'm I'm not thinking he's the type to try to. Uh, try to push that. Now he did say once he got hot, they started running plays specifically for Mason, um, which you know that we mostly that that happened in the second half. Um, but I, I and just going back and rewatching that game, I can't help but wonder if part of Penn State's game plan was to just leave Mason open because his first four threes were wide open, and then they left him intentionally to go double team either Edie or in one case it was the Lawyer. Um, yeah. So I don't know at, at what. I don't know how to differentiate between blown coverage and okay, we're just going to leave this guy open. Um, but I mean, it, it, and the second half that we were able to get him open on some interesting like baseline staggers and whatnot, where, you know, two guys are trying to stay with Edie and no one knew who was switching where, and you had like three guys on Edie and Morton and Gillis wide open in one play. So I, I, it was a great job of, of painter identifying that, okay, Mason's having a night tonight and then running plays specifically for him to get him shots. Um, which, Which I find so. I find really interesting that Painter does that. Not that it's bad, but Painter is just such a like, where's the data? Where's the data? Where's the data? Kind of like idea, like why they were shooting so many threes and continue to shoot so many threes when they were going through that six, seven game rut or whatever it was. You know, when that guy called in, he said, you know, there's not a big enough data, you know, sample to say that we shouldn't shoot threes. So um, I guess just not. I don't know if interesting is the right word, but I guess cool just to see that Painter still goes with like his gut as well. And it's not all just numbers and statistics that, you know, he sees somebody getting hot and he'll, he'll make that change or uh, kind of implement some more things into the offense as well. I thought that was cool. And, uh, you know, Zach Eady had a very uh, a quiet 18 and 13 still, which is insane uh, against Penn state. And um, honestly though, in that second half uh, I was getting kind of worried uh, which is, and it's funny to say, 
word's not probably the right word, but I was just like, what's going on? Because at one point we had like a 28 point lead or something like that. And I swear I blinked and it was down to 16, like in two seconds. Um, but it was good yeah. to see those guys kind of experience that run and, uh, you know, stick with it too. So. Yeah, that was actually my second note after the Mason Gills notes was the Edie on an off night had 18 and 13 and on seven and nine shooting. And it was his most efficient game of the year. Frank mentioned that it was his most efficient game of the year. It was only overshadowed by a guy literally setting a school record. So, yeah. you know, and he was still player of the week in big 10, you know, tying Biggie's mark at six in a season. Uh, he's still at 19 double doubles now in the season, nine behind Biggie's season record. So yeah, Edie still got his, even with Gillis having a record game. 100%. Yeah, and it's like it's like you don't even necessarily. I don't. I don't. You know, now that I think about it, and I've said it, I don't even know if we can call it like an off night because it really wasn't an off night. It was just that we were doing so well against Penn State, he was just able to to sit more, um, which was cool to see. And it was overshadowed by Mason. I think if yeah, if Mason hadn't done what he did, I mean, one, we might not win as easily, but two, um, Edie probably produces more points. And I don't know about I you guys, but I, I thought that I thought Gillis was going to go off for like 35 because I think he got to, to 29 points pretty quickly in the second half. It was like, I'd say eight or nine minutes left in that second half or, you know, he he hit the he broke that record with a lot of time left. So I was like, oh, my God, how much is he going for tonight? Well, I, th I think he hit his eighth <clears throat> three and then there was quite a stretch of time until he got that ninth um, and uh, a certain someone, you know, sent a message. Uh, to say that he had broken the record uh, before I saw it on TV, uh, so that was really cool. Uh, yeah, was really he cool was uh, his his ninth three was with five minutes left in the game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my my uh, my wife thought I was like a, a psychic because I said I think he's I think he's going to break the record right here, and uh, sure enough, he <laughs> nice. did. And, and so uh, yeah, then I, I had to had to come clean, but. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a well executed game. I mean, and and that's really the difference between you know I, I look at our road win in Nebraska, and I look at that game, and you know Penn State made a, played a pretty similar strategy. I mean, they were selling their soul to double ed, and you know if we make three or four more shots against Nebraska, it's not a game. We just had an off shooting night, and that's really I mean Gillis was wide open on all of his shots except for one. One was semi contested where Braden was uh, kind of setting an exit screen for him, but I mean he. He's a guy who who is really not going to shoot unless he's open. That's why he's consistently one of the most efficient players in college basketball. You know, he takes good shots when they're there. Uh, and I just, you know, it was so nice to see him because he he does all the little things to help us win. And sometimes it doesn't show up in the way in the, you know, the metric of scoring. But it was just good to see him just have a night, you know, yeah, and, and, and the, the teammates were celebrating it. You know, the, the post-game interview with Robbie Hummel, uh, you know, Robbie was – uh, you know, had nothing but positive things to say. You could tell there was, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was a little bitter, but he didn't show it at all. You know, he's definitely very proud, uh, proud of Mason. And I just think the entire like Purdue fan base was, uh, just, it was just kind of a heartwarming moment, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. They had mentioned, you know, all the, the adversity he had gone through with his injuries and things like that. And that's something that I didn't necessarily even think about or put two and two together. Um, you know, when they had brought that up. So yeah, I was super happy for him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, kind of going into uh, the the IU game, um, and and Frank, you you'd brought this up a couple times. What's up, Russ? I just got one question about the Penn State game. It's really random, um, but it, it really ticked me off at the time, and was obviously 
overshadowed by how the second half went down. But how dumb, and maybe you guys can explain to me how it was explained on TV because they didn't really explain it in the arena. How dumb was that shot clock violation at the end? Yeah, we got punished because they started the clock late. Yeah, because yeah. to me, that's like, of course, we're going to get the shot off before the end of the shot clock violation. Usually, but yeah. we're going to wait until the end to take that shot because at the end of the half. So that's like that's like in football, if you scored a touchdown, we're running the extra point team on the field. And then they said, wait a second, we're going to shut the clock. Oh, hey, the play clock should have been five seconds lower. So it actually was a delay of game. We're going to go back and run that play again. Like that's makes no sense. Like the athletes like are looking nine. at the scoreboard and looking at the time to know when they got to take that shot and go. So Yeah, and so to, to kind of recap what happened, just for anyone who doesn't understand, the we, we inbounded the ball and a certain amount of time elapsed before they actually started the shot clock. Uh, and so we, it was an we, offensive rebound actually, I think. It was, okay. It was an offensive yeah. rebound. And then they didn't, yeah. they did, they didn't reset the shot clock in time. So three or four seconds had gone by before they reset the shot clock. And so the shot clock had technically expired in, in the sense of real time, but it didn't actually expire on the actual score or shot clock because some time had elapsed before they reset it. And so I think what well, was it a foul, right? And then it uh, ended up being Penn State's ball because we actually didn't get a shot off in the allotted 20 seconds. But like guys, guys aren't getting the ball and then looking up at the shot clock and saying, okay, let me make sure it starts before I like before anything happens. It just it, it just doesn't exactly. work that way. You glance up, you say, Oh, I have 12 seconds, I gotta do something. You know, it's it's just a so yeah, I mean it, it, we we ended up uh didn't we get a steal? Uh, and that's what led to the uh regardless, ended up kind of being a moot point, but you know, that could have easily been a uh you know, a six yeah, point they, swing. Yeah, luckily they didn't get a bucket off of it for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I was talking about earlier though was uh, you know, Frank, a couple times during football season you'd brought this up. So I wonder if you feel the same way about uh, basketball in that, you know, you talked about the beginning of the season. You don't think we would have won X game if we hadn't if we had beaten, you know, Penn State and Syracuse to start the season. So do you think that because we beat Penn State and beat them so well, do you think that kind of played into maybe the lackadaisical start or not as strong of a start uh, in the, the, that first half of the IU game? Um, so so is, your, is your question, um, you know, did the, the, the struggle starting like kind of kickstart us to, into to playing well? No. So, uh, so you had talked about in football where like, mm. You said that if we would have won, you know, if we would have beat Penn State and Syracuse, we probably wouldn't have won whatever game it was. I think it was Minnesota, now, yeah. Yeah. Now in yeah. basketball, do you think that because we won against Penn State and won so well, do you think that that set us up for, to come out kind of lackadaisical out of the gate? I see. Um, so kind of the kind of the reverse against, yeah. against Indiana. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Painter, Painter's talked about it a lot in that, you know, Winning masks your mistakes, you know, and, and it's just human psychology. Like you can make a mistake and say, well, we still won. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say, I think this team has less of a problem with that than maybe last year's team did. Um, because uh, yeah, last year's team, they would make a lot of mistakes and still win. And they come back, come back the next game and say, like, well, we clearly haven't learned anything. Um, I think there's a lot more maturity on this team than last year's team. Guys are older, we're just a more experienced team. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it would, it would be hard to say uh, that that you know, just having a winning streak in general, uh, you know, doesn't make you feel a little confident, maybe a little too confident at times. Um, right. But uh, I, um, 
I would say that, yes, it probably played some role, but not as big of a role as what would have happened with previous teams, I think. Gotcha. And it was, it was interesting that you asked that because I actually was talking to someone earlier who was on a staff um, at, a, at a D1 basketball team and said, <laughs> actually said some of the worst, uh, you know, post-game chew outs by the coach took place after wins. You know, that they would they would win and the coach would get in the locker room after the game and just chew out the team. Like, you made this mistake. You didn't play defense. You know, you got, we got lucky the shot didn't go in. And, you know, it was like, well, we just won. But so, like, a coach has to have that mentality. They have to say, like, okay, we got lucky. You know, you messed up. That didn't go right. That didn't go right. Um, but, you know, when I look at, you know, just a perfectly executed game, Minnesota comes to mind. Our last game against Minnesota, I mean, we were just – like, we were playing like it was a two-point game when we were up 20. So, um, but, yeah. I, I, I do think, I mean, it, it would, it's hard to say it didn't play a role, but to what extent is, is the question. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, I mean, kind of transitioning into the IU game a little bit, I think um, you could tell, like, the nerves got to some of the guys, especially, like, Fletch and Brandon, Braden just kind of looked a little skittish. Um, and credit to IU playing some really fortunate defense, if you want to call it, because um, there was a lot of it was brutally beating the crap out of each other to start that game, um, more one so than the other. But um, all in all, no, I think that that, and I don't think that the guys were intimidated by the tight defense. I think that. I think we played a little bit of the, hey, that should have been a foul. What's going on? And then when we were getting kind of some ticky-tack fouls when we were on defense, I think that made guys a little nervous to play a little bit more aggressive because they were going to get called. So I think it was just kind of a perfect storm of stupid there for a minute. And just things just didn't, didn't materialize in the first half. But the second half, it seemed like Zach got everybody calmed down, especially what he what it first eight points in the second half and just kind of back to basics, so to speak. Yeah, you could see how frustrated Edie was on his face and how how ticked off he was, especially, you know, with those early fouls and, you know, that offensive foul slash flop by uh, TJD um, definitely was frustrating him. But he was even able to come back in the first half with those two fouls and still provide a little bit of, of production and leadership without picking up a third before halftime that was that was big um and then obviously the way the team came out in the second half you know it it showed that we were the best team in the country we still are even though we lost that game mm-hmm. and that's that's what the pollsters thought as well that they actually got it right they didn't punish us for you know a losing streak um they still looked at the product of the whole body of work and said yeah this is still the best team in the country so yeah yeah and actually i mean very small sample size, but I've, I've had two IU fans say that after that game, they have more respect for Purdue than they did before that game. Like the way, the way we were able to stay poised and, and come back and, um, you know, not give up. And, um, uh, yeah, I was talking to one, um, you know, coworker today who said that, uh, in his opinion, he was concerned about IU with how easy Edie was able to just go and get a shot in the second half. I mean, it just seemed like he was scoring at will for that just stretch in the second half. I mean, they, they really couldn't do much to stop him. But I think, you know, we played a tough first 10 minutes. I think uh, I, th- I think the emotion of it got to some guys. I think that we weren't necessarily expecting the level of physicality that they brought. 
think guys were a little confused. I know there was a couple shoulders and elbows that didn't get called and, you know, guys were getting blown up on loose balls and things like that. But, uh, I mean, you gotta be ready for that kind of stuff. And they know that, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm preaching at the choir here, but, um, you know, I just think that, that it was IU playing an, an unreasonably good first 10 minutes and us playing a abnormally bad first 10 minutes. We just kind of dug ourselves into a hole that we really couldn't get out of, but, you know, to, to be a three-point game with, you know, two minutes to go, I think it was, is, you know, impressive that yeah, we were down, you know, 15-ish points for, for quite a while. So, um, you know, I think it shows the resilience of this team. And it, it's it's odd, but like, there wasn't – there's not this, like, sense of panic that I feel like I'd normally have after this game. Like, I'm like, no, yeah, these yeah. guys get it. You know, they they really do. And, and uh, you know, in that, that the press conference, despite what some media personalities had to say about it, I felt <laughs> – uh, you know, I felt that was great, you know, to because Edie's right. The game is not won or lost on one possession. Every possession matters. We had careless turnovers. I mean, he he you know, said every guy on the team has three or four things they could you know, they, they'd want to do. And, I, and to me, that, you know, that that speaks volumes about leadership to say, like, hey, it's not his fault. Like, yes. I mean, I, I don't know how many assists he had, but he I mean, Braden played a good game. He, he didn't score. And, you I know, nine. Much, but he, yeah. So I mean, like nine uh, no, assists. Sorry, nine was Penn State. Uh, Penn State six, six uh, assists, uh, and and, and one turnover. Penn <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it just you, you can't you can't fault a guy who had six assists and one turnover. You know, and the game's not won or lost on the last play. It's not, it, yeah. and you'll never convince and me. Brayton took responsibility for that late turnover. Like that's you the, did the thing that said media personality yeah. can blow out his I'm glad we're not saying that clown's name because that's what he is, yeah. he's a clown yes, yeah. Um, I take back my tweet about wanting him to unblock me um, <laughs> I, I tweeted him asking him to block me and he still hasn't let's <laughs> call him a nerd or something it's because um, he, gets, uh, <laughs> he gets about 10,000 of those a day right, but no, I think that it, there, it, was, it was twofold, Brayden Showed a lot of maturity, taking responsibility for the less turnover. He didn't make any excuse. He said, I got the ball to him late because Ethan was open on that <clears throat> that first time down when they ran that kind of that same action. And then the second time he was open, but it wasn't as long. Um, and for him to to take the responsibility there shows a lot of leadership in Brayden, too. Um, and then Edie, obviously, we heard everything Edie had to say. And yeah. well, then I think the one good thing what thou who should not be named did is brought purdue twitter and indiana twitter together to clown on him and that yes, was sir. that was kind of cool to see who yeah, knew that, that awesome. you know of all people he would bring those two fan bases together well, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh you know um shout out to uh what's his name or their name or uh martha the mop lady on on twitter oh um, yeah yeah Probably my favorite. If I, if I had to have a favorite IU fan, that would probably be my favorite. You know, whenever uh, people were IU students or fans were taking pictures uh, uh, with the uh, student memorial um, mm -hmm. statue for students that have passed away uh, during the year. You know, they not only did they call it out and say how despicable it was, um, but then they also made a donation to the Purdue uh, Alumni Foundation to uh, go towards specifically that. So I thought that was um, pretty awesome. But uh, I had one more thought, though, on Braden and man hearing because I didn't get to watch the game. I, I had a friend who um, uh, they're having their first kid in a couple of weeks. So he had like a they called it a, a dad party party, dad chiller 
party. Um, and so I was driving to that. <clears throat> and so I didn't get to, to watch it. But man, hearing that his one turnover was that last one in the, you know, the final minute of the game or minutes of the game in that really important possession. You could, you know, like you guys said, he took responsibility for it and you could tell that he was like beating himself up internally. But I don't think this is going to turn into like a, I, I don't think at all it's like, a, oh, woe is me. I think it's like, you know, uh, right after the Rutgers game, he, you know, was awesome. He was amazing uh, and continued to be amazing. And I, I, I can't wait to see what he does and what the rest of the team does uh, against Iowa uh, Thursday. I'm excited to see how they respond. So. Yeah, the maturity of these young guys is, is impressive, and it, it becomes more apparent every game of how mature a lot of these guys are, even though it's you know a pretty young team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it just gets more impressive uh, game by game. And I was watching, um, I think it was uh, a, a clip from uh, The Journey. It was specifically about Braden and Fletcher. And, you know, Fletcher was talking about how Braden pretty well had the point guard spot locked in. Um, to start the year uh, to start and he said he's like I was starting the year I was fighting for minutes he's like I didn't know how much I was going to play and just to kind of see you know uh, I think he started at the beginning of the year right he started he's always started him and uh, Fletcher have always started yeah um, from day one yeah uh, so what uh, awesome experience they're having um, you know that they're gaining um, and the maturity and poise that they have uh, I think is going to carry them um, very far in a lot of different ways, not just basketball. So pretty cool to see that those guys are Boilermakers. Well, I'm going to say one more thing about the media personality who shall not be named in his, his comment, you know, that if I, if I were Purdue's next opponent, I would be making fun of Braden Smith, you know, and I would say, you know, Oh, what are you get, you're going to get your, you're going to get your big brother to come, come help. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, Braden strikes me as a guy who's, uh, I wouldn't want to mess with, you know, like that. Th he comes off oh. as a dude that that feeds him. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. His attitude when he answered that question, I don't think it was more just angry that he made the mistake, but I think he was steaming to the point of a competitor where he's like, "Man, I wish we played them again tomorrow." Like, yeah. I can't mm -hmm. wait to get back on the court again. Well, do, do you see? Do you see Braden in interviews? He he doesn't he doesn't put up with nonsense you know like when when like when people talk about like oh like there's there's that stretch where we weren't making shots and he was like no we're fine it's not it's not that you know defenses are stopping us we're getting open shots and they're not going in i'm not worried about it like mm -hmm. he 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 really kind of puts people in their place so i i mean i i, I would almost welcome that honestly like if, if an iowa player wants to do that like that'll probably just light a fire, a fire Ask under him. Say how that worked with fletcher that's, yeah, that's them. True. You know? Yeah. Our, yeah, our freshmen but, are different. And it's when when uh, Brayton had a bad game against um, Rutgers, didn't he come out the next game have like eighteen points and was just an absolute demon? I think it was like twenty or something. Uh, that's I, what I thought. I thought it was something yeah. like that. But that's why I expect Thursday is him just to come out and be like a personality that shouldn't be named. Well, and, and so like yeah, speaking yeah, of you know, smack... against Ohio State after Rutgers, yeah. Oh, that's right. So speaking of like, you know, the smack talk, there was a lot of smack talk coming from from Trace Jackson Davis to Zach Eady. You know, as we all saw, he was he was talking quite a bit. And actually, after what was just a common foul, he decided to get in the face of Mason Gillis. Um, and uh, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty to to be fair. It was like, a hard it was foul. A I mean, it was a hard foul. It was a it looked bad, but he but he he played the ball. That's all he yeah, did. I mean, it, he literally it, was, it looks like yeah. the Hood Shafino play in the second half. Like it looked worse than what it actually was. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was surprising to me. Uh, and, and not that it matters, but you know, if, if those two, you know, if, the, if those two got in a fight, I, I would I put my money on Gillis. Yeah, and I, I think I said before we started, and you said he stepped to him, and I said he didn't step to him. He he full on body checked him and knocked him back like two feet. But yeah. he, you know, and the way that Gillis reacted, and he just pointed and laughed, and then TJD's reaction too, like almost was like, oh, I thought somebody was going to hold me back. I don't know what to do now. Um, I'm just and then like, he just kind of. <laughs> He, like, <laughs> he started backing up and then someone grabbed him and pulled him back and it was like, yeah, yeah, you better pull me back. I wasn't going back on my own. Yeah, Like yeah. the classic yeah. loudmouth in schoolyard. Hold me back, man. Hold me back. Somebody grab my arm. Hold me back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, if you want to know how strong Mason Gillis is, all you have to do is look at David Jenkins' face that's still healing yeah. from the accidental elbow he caught uh, in practice um, and actually had to miss. I think it was the, the first game of the season because of how bad it was. Um, and they... Uh, he had to have surgery. I mean, it's like it's just to help it heal fast. It was like, my God, like I couldn't. Uh, I wonder if yeah. Gills' el elbows are like, if he just like had like metal inserted in there or something, because they're just like, well, you know, this, strong. this is super random, but my father in law, I swear to God, has like three inches off his elbow that's just pure bone muscle. I don't know what it is. But like anytime I do something stupid, which is frequent, he just gives me one of these. He's just like, hey, listen, shut up. Like, yeah, the, you got it. The so Mason may have that. Right? Yeah, the people's elbow. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it's, probably what it's, Mason has. It's the engineering department, man. They're they're crazy. They built Haas well, a whole new arm. At least they tried. I don't know if that they tried. Like, yeah, they they tried their best. Well, so someone mentioned the the ghost foul on Jalen Hood Shafino, and I have I have a controversial opinion uh, about college basketball and that. If someone is injured to the point where play needs to be stopped, there should be a mandatory amount of time for which they have to sit on the bench. Um, and the reason being is I, everyone know anyone who watches college basketball knows that the crowd makes a difference. Momentum makes a difference. And Purdue was on a run at that point. Uh, Braden kind of, you know, ghost swiped at the ball, caused him to you know alter his stride. There was no contact whatsoever. He goes down, boos are raining down, the place is going crazy, Mike Woodson's going crazy, he's on the ground writhing in pain. Uh, I, and so they, they didn't show it um, on TV, but when he got up you know, to walk off the court, there was a huge eruption, the place goes crazy. Then he comes back in the game, the very next possession, the place goes crazy again, all for nothing. Yeah, he hits and, a bucket, I, the next possession. He's, yeah. he's won the score the next, yeah. Yeah. I just think that... I'm not saying people are out there faking injuries, so so I don't want to be like, you know, but I'm saying that it opens a possibility for people to yeah, do that. They, Chris yeah. will play it. I second Chris. Yeah, they're definitely. Well, let's just yeah. be glad it was drinks falling from the ceiling and not actual objects that could knock somebody out or kill somebody. So I mean, yeah, what kind know. of class act is that? Pick your poison at Assembly Hall because you never know <laughs> what's falling. So what was it that humans with as steep as that those seats are, dude? One so, stumble. So things were thrown on, on the court. court. Yes, yeah, yeah, a drink or something after like a foul call, I think. Did they have to announce over the PA system to not do that? Yeah, because it was going to be a technical if it did. Well, if I was a Purdue read, fan, so yeah, that's true. If I it was a Purdue fan, I would have like sacrificed myself and threw something. <laughs> Duck, so be like, you yeah, would have worn an IU shirt, thrown it, and then like quickly like switched. Just, yeah, I don't know. Is this guy? Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> and so did you guys see, so uh, kind of uh, this week, you guys know the account Big Game Boomer. 
right? Yeah, always does all the, the talking about. Unfortunately, so he actually came to the Purdue, the Penn State Purdue game this past week, and uh, Isaac Romig, shout out Isaac, he uh, got him, did a face reveal, um, took a picture with the guy that runs the account, um, and he said, I think, what did he say? He said that Purdue had the better student section, but IU had like the better atmosphere or something like that. Whatever it was, I can't remember what it was. But he said IU had a better campus or something. Oh, better campus, but Purdue had like the better like. Uh, atmosphere or student section or something uh, related to basketball but that guy's his whole thing is just like reaching for us yeah to be they, so the penn state the game was like nuts the crowd was right. crazy loud and he he has Purdue's student section rated at 18th this week for like top <laughs> student section what the methamphetamine is going on around here with Again, uh iowa wait. state at number one i guess what? After they beat Can kansas but you know uh, whatever boo. um Speaking yeah, of Iowa State, dumb. we've got a couple big games this week with Iowa and Northwestern. Nailed it. Yeah, I'm not sure which Correct one scares on the transition, me more. But I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure North which one scares me more. Is Northwestern at Northwestern? Yeah. Yes. Iowa at home on Thursday at Northwestern Sunday. Yep. I mean, I'm always going to like at home versus uh, away, even though Defense. we've played pretty well away as well. So... Iowa's the second-rated offensive efficiency, in according to Ken Palm. But what? Sorry, I don't their, have it. Their defense is ranked 150th. Exactly there. Um, well, so they're like, are, so they're like Purdue last year. Pretty much. At worst, yeah. But we, I, 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 I was the one team in the Big Ten that I, I, we could be up 30, and I'm not comfortable. Um, just well, because history. of like the history we have with them. I mean. Uh, I mean, it goes all the way back to Rick Mountain, Rick Mountain for me. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the, like, I mean, I, I was at that game, like, just, it was, like, deafening roar during halftime when Rick Mountain came out. We were up 17. We weren't missing in the first half. And then they just, they were the team that kind of exposed the inability of Purdue to break a press that year. You know, and just, yeah. like, everyone started pressing us every single game. I mean, there were so many games that season where it was like, hey, we're up 15. Oh, here, here comes the press. And now the lead goes away. It was, it was a... It was a, a crazy thing that season, but you know, so yeah, there's that game. I think about last season where we had the number one ranking on the line for the first time in school history, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Keegan Murray's not playing, and it seems like we're going to have a cakewalk. And you know, we get a lead, and they press us, and they come. I mean, it's just there. The you know, Fran McCaffrey's a good coach. I mean, all all jokes aside, he's he's kind of a, a quirky guy, but uh, I mean, he's I he's a pretty good coach. Um, I love the jokes though. So you said we were up at 17 at the half, right? And then they came back. Uh, Rick Mountain, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, according to Cobra stats, if you guys saw that post that I shared, uh, Purdue, post. there has to be nine minutes and fifty seconds or less for Purdue to be guaranteed a win, uh, up seventeen. <clears throat> so, fun fact, and twenty points or more for us to like have the best probability to win. So, like it, I uh, I saw that and I was like, wow. So, uh, you know, you talked about the Rutgers game last year too. We were up by one. There has to be zero seconds left for us to win the game or for like us to uh, or for a Purdue lead to be safe. I should say I can't maybe shouldn't say to win the game, uh, but this has been by opponents since 2010. So one one point is like no time left. Two points is no time left. Three points is four seconds left. Um, and then if you want to if you look it up on Twitter, you can it goes all the way up to uh, 21 points is actually where we're safe. Um, so yeah. I guess there is some merit to. uh Purdue fans feeling like we need to be up by 20 for us to like 
relaxed during the game, <clears throat> which I, I found relaxed. to be kind of funny. I haven't relaxed yeah. since childbirth being a Purdue fan. So oh, yeah. we could be no, up by yeah. 100 and I'd be like, nah, you never know. My doctor actually was like, you need to stop watching that shit. Listen, yeah, I was uh, beginning that being a Purdue fan shortens your lifespan by at least like five to eight years, give or take. It really I'm not does. a doctor, but that's my yeah. I uh, I remember right taking my buddy, taking my buddy to the Purdue IU game. This was Brahms first year back in 2017, and we were up 31 to 10, I think, in the fourth quarter. And he was like, "Man, you guys kicked our butts this year. Like it's over." And like we still won that game, but then they scored 14 points like that, and it was 24 to 31. And I was like, "Jesus oh, Christ, shut up!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife said the first that same thing at her first game. I don't know what game it was. You guys have great <laughs> memories. I don't. But she was like, we're up by a couple, and she's like, well, by 14 points, there's the ball game. I said, you don't know. Don't like, ever you say no that. The drop Stop kick it. you right out of your seat. <laughs> exactly. Stop uh, it. You're up. Wasn't that Nebraska this year, Dylan? The Nebraska game? Yeah. 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 Okay. That was it. Yeah. But um, that's a, to talk about Iowa for a second, I mean, the main thing that sticks out from a personnel standpoint is Chris Murray. Like, probable first round pick uh you know he can seemingly score at will it's like we you know the only time the shot doesn't go in is when he just decides he doesn't want it to go in i mean it's just he's a he's a, a walking bucket uh three level score you know 35 percent from three uh he's got great size great speed six eight i mean it's just a just a tough guy to contain um but one guy, you know, who Iowa has used, uh, particularly on the defensive end in playing us the last couple of times, is uh, Josh Agundale. Um, you know, if you remember, he had a really good run against us last year. Every time we played them, so I'll be curious to see if they go back to that because he does have the the size to to hang in there with Edie, at least from a defensive standpoint. I mean, he's six ten, two seventy five. You know, he's a he's a big big guy. You know, he's, he's not the best scorer, but he, you know, he had really good games against us, you know, in the last couple of times. So I'll just be really curious to see. I'll be really curious to, to see if they bust that out again. I'll be curious to see if they press us like they have in recent years too. Um, mm-hmm. We've been pretty good against the press this year, despite what um, Twitter coaches uh, so had to say about that. I actually thought about the same player, and then looked up his game log. He hasn't logged a minute in eleven games. So I don't know if he's injured or huh. if he's just found himself out of the rotation, but I, I think the chances of that are much lower now. I did not know that. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he he's not a high minute guy. He wasn't last year either, but they he played against against us. Mm-hmm. You think Tucson's gonna transfer back to uh, Iowa for one game, <laughs> just to have another game against us? <clears throat> ha ha. Yeah, he is LOL. injured. I just uh-huh. I just googled it. Uh-huh. Sorry, I, I was, yeah. <laughs> No, no, yeah, that's I fine. Was looking no, at I, no, I, I get it. I yeah. get it. No, I'm just nailed just, it. Nailed it, Damon. Yeah. yeah, no. The audio is just a little. Yeah, it's delayed. Little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, like oh, there's the joke. Oh, no, punchline. <laughs> Which games makes y'all nervous? More nervous? Iowa or Northwestern? Northwestern. Northwestern. For sure. Yeah. Um, Northwestern always makes me nervous. I don't they're know so damn streaky. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. they could play like crap against Minnesota, turn around, play us, and hit everything from the freaking lakefront. Like, yeah. it's just, it's Ooh, obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just the the offensive and defensive, like, duo of Boo Booey and Chase Audige. I mean, they can tear you up on both ends. I mean, it's so Northwestern, like, they're, they're, they're headed straight for the tournament. I mean, and uh, I think will this be their second? NCAA tournament. 
Um, so, I mean, that, that's a great you thing. You have to be careful with them because if you foul them, it's a hate crime and an old individual because they've been there since Korea. Well, that's uh, I, I, I'll never actually forget their first tournament run. They, they, they really got, they, they kind of got hosed. There was a blatant yep. goaltend that didn't get yep. called Gonzaga. where the guy went up through the net to block mm-hmm. a shot. And like, how does that not get called? I, I just don't know in the tournament, how does that not get called? I, I, but they're, they're a Ken Palm you top really 35. Want me to start on officiating right now, Frank, we'll be here all night. Go yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It could Action. go, it could go forever, but um, you know, Ty I'm Berry's a, playing I'm really well. For them special too. on officiating. <laughs> uh, special, yeah, you get it. Robbie Barron is a guy <laughs> I'm worried. You know, who might give us some problems from Northwestern too, because he's really good. He's really good from three this year. You know, so he's got the size at six nine, and you know they get him in a, involved in a lot of pick and pop action, and that's something <clears> we've kind of struggled with a little bit at, at times this season. So, um, but, what's yeah, their size a, down low against Edie? Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of there, you know, starting for. I mean, they do have Matthew Nicholson, at, you know, at seven foot, but he's he's not not a significant contributor on offense. Um, but uh, you know, from a defensive standpoint, uh, I, you know, I, I'm confident Edie can take anybody one on one. So, I think uh, I think what you'll see is the uh, the Nebraska kind of throw the kitchen sink at Edie and make somebody else. Shots. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I'm I'm glad you said that too about Nebraska. Do you guys remember a couple of coaches shows ago? And Painter's been talking about all year how you know they can watch tape on the other team, they can prepare for what they're gonna do, but they've never seen anybody like Edie, so you don't really know what they're gonna do until the game starts. Mm-hmm. And so many of these teams that we've played this year, including Penn State on Wednesday night, they decided let's double and triple team this guy in the post when they aren't used to double or triple teaming a post player. And so their rotation is not as good. And that's why a guy like Mason Gillis has a record-breaking game. Nebraska, though, he said, is pretty much the best team that they've seen, that we've seen this year on their rotations after doubling the post. And that's why it was such a closely contested game at their place. Yeah, they because... double, what, like 42% of the time in the post or something like that? Yeah, like it's, yeah. You know, they're, they were used to it. So, But Penn State got exposed because that's not something they always do, and I think that's why they kept switching up and trying boxing one, triangle two, whatever that they could do to stop it. It's so, also yeah. why I think that like the first four minutes of a game, we, are, we just seem not out of sync, but it's closer than I like because I feel like Painter's like – Okay, that's what they're doing. Here's the game plan. It's almost like like a script in football where you just kind of go in, see what they're gonna do, and then adjust around it. Yeah. Well, and I I think that's a really good point that uh you know teams are teams are forced to play differently defensively than than they have to because the Edie's not a normal player and you can't simulate them in practice. And I think that uh you know that's why Penn State not struggles so skills. much. I mean, no, I'm not discrediting Mason Gillis at all. I know he's listening, and Mason, we we have nothing but respect for you. But you know, but Mason was wide open. He he took the shots, and and they went in, and you know, made him pay, made him made him pay for trying to trying to double Edie, and uh, they they didn't really adjust until you know the late in their midway through the second half. So kudos to him again. I know we've talked about that, but man, that was an impressive performance. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple things left to talk about tonight. One is a question from a viewer and then we've got uh, our draft. Do you guys want to do the question from the viewer first or do you guys want to do the draft? 
let's end with the question and do the draft now because I like that question a lot. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, Russ, uh, you want to kind of give the rundown of this draft? Yeah, yeah because I, I don't know what's doing. Chris and I don't know what it's about. So let's. <laughs> so it's very complicated. Um, I hope you all did your research. Um, Great. Because uh, somehow um, I'm still going to fail this one too. I yeah, there's definitely a lot of research required for this uh, to, to really know your stuff and and execute it uh, to a high degree. So with um, you know the big game coming up on Sunday, our boy Carl Laft is playing in it. Uh, we decided to let's do like kind of a fun draft. And do a food style draft. The so, of course, Indiana shit was uh, that? <laughs> Old car laughed this. So, anyways, uh, so we're going to do a food draft. Uh, I was a little bit inspired to try a local place. I've tried AJ's before on Wednesday night. And so I was thinking about food and eat AJ's, food, you know, yeah, eat AJ's. Not eat AJ's. Yep. Um, so we're going to do it. We're going to do basically a, you know, it can be Super Bowl, it can be game day, it can be basketball, football, whatever. Your game day spread, your go-to must-have foods. And we're gonna, I think we're gonna try to do two rounds. If it goes quickly, we might go to a third round. Of okay. course, snake style. I went ahead and spun beforehand, so we're not sitting here. Oh, awkwardly, son of a! I you know. ro- yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm not participating because there's only four options uh, on a Twitter thread on a Twitter um, poll. So I'm not participating. So of course, it's completely unbiased by me. I will offer my opinions. Well, good because you're old, and it'd probably be like oatmeal or. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. My hearing aid wasn't turned up. What did you say? I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, all right. So, uh, number one, uh, first pick is Frank. Frank, you're up first, sir. Just game day food. Yeah, game day foods. And we can decide if – and there's some close ones, and we can decide whether it's the same category or whatever. Kind of yeah. as we go. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, uh, you know, football, um, fall time, chili. Like, I, I make a mean chili. Um Multiple meats, simmer it for like, you know, I'll start it at like 8 a.m., you know, to eat at noon. Just yeah, like you got to have a bunch of meat in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to do it, but damn it, you beat me to it. Yeah, so uh, chili, <laughs> chili, chili, night number one. No better Chili's, answer. Chili's, baby, nice. back ribs, barbecue sauce. All right, so uh, and second this pick this is off with the no rail. warning is Dylan. <laughs> What's that, sir? Oh, I get the second pick. Should have been thinking why Russ was talking or by why Frank was talking, yeah. but I wasn't. I want to go good cheeseburger, like a good, well, like a not just like a no toppings or nothing, like a really well done, a griller who knows what he's doing. Cheeseburger. Hey, those are both delicious foods, but I feel like my one on one is still out there. So we'll see. Um, we're actually kind of going in a circle here. Sorry, sorry, Damon, but you get two picks Damn. back to back. Um, Chris, you're up next, sir. I am. A lover of my smoker in the backyard, and I'm gonna say pulled pork sandwiches. Okay, smoke it for about 16 hours, pulled apart. You got one of those green eggs? Uh, No, I have a Traeger. Yeah, Dylan, he's got a Traeger. As a former, as a former guy who used to own an Ace up until like a week ago, I should have said Traeger because they're big Ace guys. But you know, it's fine. I don't (laughs) work for them anymore. Who cares? All right, Um, Damon, back to back pick, sir. I can't believe everybody got the pick wrong in their their first pick of the draft. Wow! Um, but buff, Buffalo chicken dip. Come oh, on, it's Buffalo chicken dip. Yeah. I love Buffalo chicken dip. Well, I, I could eat Buffalo chicken dip. I think every day. I could live I off really chicken do. in general. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Damon. <clears throat> I think you've got a second. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, gonna go with. Uh, Did Rusco? I'm sorry. I no, we're only doing four. 
Okay. Yeah, Russ Russ excluded himself from the draft since there's only four uh, options on Twitter. And he's old. Okay. Uh yeah, that that too. Um <coughs> please, please. Let's see. Um no, were there's originals? Nobody <laughs> likes the Werther's original from game day? No one wants your he's dusty got... <laughs> pocket candy, old man. Get out of here. <laughs> he's got like the strawberries. That's Got some game day meatloaf, guys. It's ready. I don't want your game day meatloaf. Cream savers. <laughs> oh my god. Um, dang it. Uh, my one on one is still out there. I can't believe this. I was wondering how soon a dip would get taken because you can't have a game day spread without you know some kind of. I'm not going to state other examples in case they get drafted. But you got to have you got to have that spread with some some chips. I'm going to go can... uh, burnt ends. Hmm. Okay. 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 Really Russ good. is asked to say like friggin' green bean casserole. <laughs> not green bean casserole. Don't even bring this back up. Green bean casserole. I heard green bean casserole. So Chris gets green no, bean. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, <laughs> mine is the quintessential like football food on a Friday for high school football: pork burgers. Pork burgers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we do because we've got the big uh, uh, pig plant up here. We do a lot of pork burgers, and like, there's just a different flavor to pork burger than a regular hamburger. It's really good. Dude, I bet your neighborhood awesome. smells awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of smelling awesome, uh, Dylan, it's to you. Oh, Russ, I'm oh sorry God. for all the old jokes, and you come at me with a compliment. That's not how I'm this not. works. Oh, that's rude. Uh, let's see. Chicken wings. Has anyone said chicken wings yet? There you go. That's my, I don't know how that didn't get taken earlier. Chicken yeah, wings, uh, man. Good old chicken wing. Hold on. In bone or, uh, or drums or flats? Listen, you got to go in bone. Oh, he was saying, right. he was saying drums, drums or flats. Drums or flats, flat, you dingus. Oh, 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 sorry. Drums. <laughs> I'm a drums guy. Built in. Make the little flats, meat man. umbrella. Dip it in the sauce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Meat umbrella. I'll have to remember that one. All right. This is actually going That's pretty close. close. I'm going to try to go through one more time. So, Frank, I'm going to take two real quick here. Yeah. So, I mean, wings is going to be mine um, in like an ideal scenario. Wings for sure. Uh, wings from Roosters, actually. Best best wing place, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, since that already got taken, um, a well-prepared steak. Very well-prepared steak. I won't go into it. Yeah, I, won't, I won't. I won't go into how I prepare my steaks. Is that going to be controversial? Do you like burgers? Yeah, is well done. No, no, no. Medium rare. But no, I mean it, it's a it's it's a whole thing. It's a it's a okay. four hour endeavor. Oh, to, Jesus! To cook steaks. Yeah. It takes oh, I know. I'm gonna come hungry to y'all's game day parties because you guys are like, you guys talk about like meals, not snacks. Like this is some good stuff. I mean, we should have a, a Boiler Express tailgate, uh, big game party. I don't think you're allowed to say the actual first week in April. Game. First week in April, we'll have a party. Yeah. Uh, so, so one more pick, Frank. No real pick. Quick. Yeah. This one's this one's no one's get ready. No one's expecting this one. Uh I love Brussels sprouts. So oh. I'm gonna go with Brussels sprouts. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sitting next to Frank at this party then. Gross. So the other three guys just thank Dude, you for the yeah, I'm tonight, Frank. So I'll see you guys. On the grill, man, and some cast iron, like saute those things. That's a yeah, but your guy stomach's answer. gonna be singing the Brussels sprout blues later. <laughs> no, you get you get used to it when you eat them. As much as everyone on Twitter bully any, Look, I I advocate for any member of the cruciferous vegetable family. You know, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus. Frank's big that. brain was, moment. Bought to you yeah, by that Frank. That was a big word that my little brain did not commute. I mean, I just, uh, compute. 
or commute. Did you, all right, did Dylan, you clear it on we all know I'm bad at words. We all Dylan, know. What do you have when you get released from prison? Uh, Dylan, what do you have with your burger and wings, bro? <laughs> uh, ooh, a good coleslaw. Mm, I like it. Yeah, there you go. That was a thought for mine for my pork uh, shoulder, my pulled pork. I like coleslaw and some pulled pork. Okay. Chris, what you got? You got pork, pork? You going to do something else with some pork? Yep. Or? Yeah, probably, because I'm a huge fan of these, but a really good Italian sausage with like oh, peppers yeah. and onions on it mm-hmm. God, no, I'm hungry. So and if 10 30 chris was gonna take the sausage all right so uh damon wow <laughs> man i was so i was so this whole time i've been thinking dessert but then uh everybody else is uh man um uh the cream cheese jalapeno poppers the one like you carve out the jalapeno you put cream cheese oh, in there yeah. wrap it up in bacon Oh man, yeah. those are those are amazing. I had those for the first time like two years ago, and man, they're so. Every Another time we one that's pretty good is shotgun shells. You take like uh, these oh, noodle. Man. The noodles are real big, and just stuff them with cream cheese, jalapenos, and ground up pork sausage. Fuck sausage. Or, so <laughs> now that it's over, I was a little surprised queso didn't get taken. You know, I'm thinking more. There like goes our family rating. So some kind of some kind of queso. Uh, yeah, I was thinking mac and cheese, but I already said buffalo chicken dip. Uh, yeah, I love mac and cheese. Yeah. Um, oh, Rocks. we got a beeper. Hey, yeah, oh. <laughs> I gotta remember that. Is that Frank, Frank, messing around with some. <laughs> no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I need one. How do you? What we'll the? Talk. We'll talk later. All right, yeah. all right. So, um, let's we'll go ahead and go to the question now. We got the draft. Oh, yeah. way. I'll post. I'll yeah. post the results, and we'll get that vote going on. Twitter. So ten or fifteen minutes left in the show, so I think this will be a good way to bully us. In the, yeah, because so, our picks. Uh, uh, Jay Money, Jay Money never likes our picks. Yeah, never. <laughs> I know. That's never what, like, is happy just... with our picks, and I will call him out on it. Jay. The amount <laughs> of porking jokes I'm gonna get from this friggin' draft are gonna piss me off. Porky pig. Oh, Mother. I get it. Because you're a yeah. And uh, ah, uh, Jay Money, helps. I just want to say that the that uh, the Grinch is a good Christmas movie. I don't care what you say. Garbage. Uh, <laughs> Grinch is a good. Jim Carrey's The Grinch is a good Christmas movie. If it wasn't anyway, so I'd never had a. We had a uh, question from a, a viewer on here tonight, Don Steinmetz. Don, thank you for writing into the show Don, hey. or replying to our uh, our tweet here. Um, and he wants to know: Can Zach Eady win Player of the Year and also Most Improved Player of the Year? He can I'll start. So. I'll start. Yes. <laughs> Hard yet. <laughs> yeah, I think he's oh, got. I guess I should he, elaborate on that. But Frank, <laughs> roll out the big brain stats. And hey, was, I'm, was, I'm just gonna sit back and listen on this one. Well, I so, think he's got like he's he's done something uh, this year that only I think he's done it like six. times. I can't remember what it is exactly, but he's done it like six times, and there's only been big one other person week. to do. Yeah. Yeah, he tied uh, well, Biggie for Big Ten Players of the Week's honors. Yep. No, it was it was more it was a stat. Like it wasn't Big Ten Player of the Week. It was like a specific stat that only one other person in college basketball this year has only done one time, and I can't remember what it is exactly. It was like, uh, wasn't it something like points, rebounds, and blocks? Yeah, thirty rebounds, blocks, assists, or something. Like yeah, it was like thirty rebounds, fifteen or thirty points, fifteen rebounds, and like five blocks or three, yeah. three blocks. Yeah. But no, I think I definitely think you can because I think they're two, um, two completely separate awards. Where national player of the year, you're the best college player 
in the country, right? Which I would agree with. You know, at this point, he is he is the most dominant player on the floor, or one of the most dominant players on the floor, depending on how you look at it. Frank is um, just itching to say something. I know. I can feel it. I'm nervous. His big brain's going to kick my little ass. Big brain, um, Frank. Big so, brain. but, and then I think when you turn around and most improved player of the year, I think, you know, you look back at what he's done leading up to this. Sure, some of it wasn't of his own making because he split time with Travion, but I think that statistically he's considerably better. His presence and capability has improved a lot. And I think now, sure, he extrapolated stats out for 40 minutes last year. They're pretty comparative, and I understand that. But it's what was on paper last year, what was on paper this year, and the amount of dominance that he's the difference that he's made from last year or this year. Sure, you can assume that that's what those points are going to be, but he's actually playing 30, 35 minutes this year, and you know that's actually accurate instead of assuming that's what he would do. And I think his foul to turn and turnover ratio <laughs> has also dropped this year as well, if I'm correct, like the amount of fouls he picks up in a game and the amount of turn turnovers he causes or picks up as well. I feel like that's yeah, Fouls are cut in half. He he's averaging two point one fouls for forty minutes. Last year it was literally four point two. So it's been cut in half, which yeah. is impressive. Yeah. So there's a conspiracy though about that, right? You, the agreement. I mean, I the agreement. Like Chris, I, I think I'm in the middle of, between Chris and Frank and how they're going to see this this question. Which, um, looking at the question just without even thinking about Edie himself, you know, the most valuable player, a national player of the year. Generally, is much a, di a, a much different award than most improved player. Like you don't in any league or any level, you don't really see the same player get both of those. You know, you don't you you tend to see those kind of separated. You think about the year, like in the NFL, where um, Adrian Peterson came back from ACL tear and won the MVP award, and it's like you're running back coming from the ACL coming back from an ACL tear to put an MVP season together, you're obviously the most improved, but no, they gave it to Peyton because he came back from his little neck thing. And it's like, okay, yes, he was a good comeback player, but you're literally talking about you're running back knee and he won the MVP. So I, from that standpoint, I don't see him winning both. And then from just specifically Zach Eady himself, a lot of his efficiency numbers, and you see this year, them talk about how, you know, comparing him to the Kaminsky season a while back and how efficient he was as a player and it's like almost top three or four lines of the most efficient players or most efficient seasons. Last year's season by Edie is on that list. So I don't I don't think you can really say he's improved greatly when it's really more of a product that he's not splitting time with Travion Williams anymore. He doesn't have an All-American that he's splitting time with. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Well, and, you know, Painter's, Painter said that a lot, you know, in, in response to being asked about Zach's conditioning. Because um, that was like that was a big question in the offseason. It's you know how how is Edie going to handle playing you know thirty minutes a game or twenty five minutes a game? And Painter said his conditioning has never really been an issue. It's that he was splitting time with an All American center, you know. And so like he'd be stupid to not play both of those guys. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I Russ, I think you make a good point that when you look at his you know his his per possession numbers, they're they're mostly the same you know as they were last year. And so. Uh, Hoop Vision, Jordan Sperber, you know, he did a great video last year, which gained a lot of popularity about Edie being one of the most dominant players. And he made a point in that, you know, Edie's, Edie's per possession numbers are off the charts, but if he played more minutes, he would certainly see those go down. Well, now he's playing more minutes. He's playing 30 plus minutes a game every single night. 
and he's he's putting together num- he's putting up numbers that are comparable to last season. Um, so from an efficiency standpoint, you know he there's not a whole lot of improvement. He was really good last year from an efficiency standpoint, but he's putting he's chaining he's, he's putting up those same numbers and playing more minutes. So um, that's an improvement in my opinion. That that's a major improvement. You know, he was uh, 122 offensive rating last season. Uh, he's up to 127, and you know he's he's playing 30 minutes a game versus 14 last season. Um, so I, I I think that's that's an improvement. But for the reason that that you just stated, um, that you know player of the year and most improved player more often than not don't go to the you know don't go to the same player. I think that it's it's unlikely. Could it happen? Yes. Uh, you know, certainly not out of the question, but. I, I would have to think there's someone somewhere who has improved significantly more than he has, uh, just from a probability standpoint, somewhere that just some player that I can't think of at the moment. I'd also like to correct Russ. Uh, it was comeback player of the year, not most improved. Because you were talking about most improved player. That's what I thought. Well, oh, yeah. 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 No, we're talking uh, most improved player for Edie. Right. Well, I was just saying from a perspective of like, you know, usually when someone wins the MVP, it kind of takes them off the table for a comeback or most improved or whatever. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. The NFL example was like comeback player. And it's like, obviously, if you say who's the best comeback player in that that league that season, easy. No, Um, I was looking at my definitely Peterson because he lost, he, you know, he had an ACL surgery and put together one of the best seasons of running backs ever had in the history of the NFL off an ACL. Like, how does that not the greatest comeback story ever? Right. Well, it still goes to somebody else because he got the MVP. Yeah. All right. I see what you're saying now. It's understood. But he has a – Edie has a large cushion in, in the Ken Palm player of the year standings. I mean, it, it, you know, so it's Zach Edie number one right now. His Ken Palm rating is 2.28, which is high. <clears throat> and then the next highest person is 1.549 in Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, so that's a huge margin – there now, I don't know what the correlation between Ken Palm rating uh, for Player of the Year and Naismith, uh, you know, votes for Player of the Year and how that all works, whether they take Ken Palm into consideration or not. But I think as long as he continues down the same path that he is, there's it, it's probably a no-brainer. But I mean, I wouldn't be incredibly shocked if it goes to someone else, honestly. But he's he 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 should be, in my opinion. There is no one more dominant than him right now. I you mean, know, even. Just, Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was just going to say that the it frustrated me when when Dick Vitale said, you know, his numbers last year weren't great. You know, the guy averaged fourteen and a half points last year in in fourteen minutes. Like that's those are great numbers. He was the second second highest offensive efficiency of any player in D one, only behind Chris or Keegan Murray, who was a first round pick. Like I, I, I like do these guys research these things before they just start talking? Like. 14 no. points a game in D1 in 14 minutes is that's a, that's great. Like I don't I don't it just I mean for God's sakes we had half a game where somebody kept calling Foster lawyer Fletcher lawyer or Fletcher lawyer Foster lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's happened many times. Speaking of which, dude, um can I segue a little bit from this question and ask or bring up a discussion tied to it in that how do you think the freshman of the year is going to go in the league? Um coach of the year even um as well as like you know, freshman team of the year, all Big Ten first team, that kind of thing. Because to me, it seems like, you know, MVP is obviously they're looking for the best player on one of the better teams, right? Like you can't win Big Ten player of the year and be on a 10th place team. That just doesn't happen. But once you get to like freshman of the year and even like coach of the year, 
I feel like how your team did drops a little bit more. You know, how your team did as coach almost has more to do with where you were picked before the season. And because we were so good last year, I think that, you know, Painter almost kind of is hurt by that. The fact that we were the, well, we're the number one team two years in a row. We didn't have any drop off. And it's like, yeah, but we were picked fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth in the conference. And then freshman of the year, I feel like Fletcher Lawyer should be pretty much a shoe in for that award because he's literally the second best scorer on the best team in the country and only behind the player that's the best player in the country. But it tends to go freshman of the year to a, a lower team that has less production on it, that they're the best player on, and not necessarily the scenario that they're in or how their team performed on the season. Yeah, and I think so. Uh, at least uh, I can speak on the coach of the year thing. And uh, first I'll start that off with a question. Um, does the coach of the year, does that get decided before the tournament or after the tournament? Is that announced before or after? I think, I think it's usually after. after. Okay. So I think that Painter at this point in time should be a shoe in for coach of the year because he not only took an, he took an unranked team to number one, the fastest a lot amount of a lot of time ever in 34 days. Um, we also lost 40 points a game last year from Trevion, Jaden, and Sasha. <clears throat> and freshmen are filling those roles, by the way. Freshmen and, and, and Zach Eady are a big part of that. Um, so I think that those are great things as well. Uh, a 21, a 22 and one school uh, best record start, um, I think is a huge uh, thing to put in there as well. We've been number one for quite a while now, all com uh, collectively, all together. Um, and honestly, I think if it, if this comes out at the end of the year, I think it's really, unfortunately, because that's, you know, the, um, the Achilles healer, the, the thing that everybody looks at with painter is that, you know, great regular season. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, tournament <clears throat> tournament time. Um, so I think for him to win coach of the year, it's going to have to be at least probably a final four or a national title for him to, to get that. Yeah, and, and Russ on the you know the Big Ten freshman of the year. I mean, it's hard to argue against Bryce Sensible. Just it just is in my opinion. yeah. That's I mean, my thought. Fletcher is very good. I mean, Bryce Sensible is playing sixty percent of his team's minutes, shooting forty six percent from three on one hundred and three attempts. I mean, he, he's just a great two way player. Uh, you know, first round pick. I think he he would give Fletcher the biggest run for his money. Um, you can make an argument for Jalen Hood Shafino as well, maybe Jet Howard, but um, you know, I, I think that uh, assuming things continue as they have gone so far, um, that my pick unbiasedly would probably, if I had to vote, it would like on who I think would win, it would be Bryson Savall. I think I want Fletcher to win it, but he's having an he's having an unreal season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm not saying that I think he should even win it or. Um, that he will win it. I'm just from a perspective of how the different awards are weighted. I feel like how your team finishes and how you like, because Ohio state as a whole has been kind of disappointing, right? You know, they've, they've had uh, some pretty bad stretches for what their expectations were. So to me, it's like that would disqualify somebody on the team from being big 10 player of the year, but it doesn't disqualify somebody from being freshman of the year. Yeah. Agreed. And so were you asking about big 10 coach of the year or national coach of the year? Uh, mainly Big Ten, but yeah, we could talk I mean, about both. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it would make sense to have Painter and for you know for at least for Big Ten, you know, Coach of the Year. But 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Steve Peichel in there. Um, just he's done a fantastic job at Rutgers. Um, yeah, or even Northwestern's <laughs> coach. Yeah, uh, at Chris Collins. Outside of those two, though, I mean, I, I mean, I think Painter above Peichel personally, uh, unbiasedly. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was just talking to someone the other day who said that Painter isn't even a top 10 coach, which I thought was crazy, but neither here nor there, but national player of the year. I mean, it's, it's or national coach of the year. is going to be tough. Um, you know, you could, you could argue uh, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, uh, Kelvin Sampson at Houston, uh, Jerome Tang, at Kansas state. I mean, guy, he's a first year head coach. He's doing marvelous things down there. I mean, that's so, uh, that's, that, that's honestly, Jerome Tang's a hard one to argue against too. <clears throat> Just being a first year guy. Yeah, so um, to answer your question, Damon, I, I did a little research while Frank was talking, and the uh, player of the year, team of the year, coach or um, first team coach of the year, that stuff was announced March eighth uh, of last year. Okay, so, so that's was, before the tournament, yeah, or like right yeah. at the beginning of it. After yes, like, like probably after, yeah, yeah, so, that's what I was gonna say. <clears throat> we play yeah. our last game March fifth. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. I mean, all these are good questions. Thank you for the question. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <clears throat> yeah, so lots to, you know, to look forward to. Um, we're kind of on that last leg of the season, sitting at 22-2, and two, which, I mean, just looks awesome on paper. Uh, this is definitely, you know, Matt Painter's best start <clears throat> in his career as a coach at Purdue. And um, it's just been a really fun year um, and just, you know, fingers crossed that all, uh, you know, it all continues. Um, and I, th I think it will. I think this team has shown that they respond really well to a loss, that they respond really well to things not going their way. I mean, even even mid game, sometimes they do dig themselves into a hole to where they can't come back from. Um, and, I mean, we saw that against Rutgers and IU, and those are the only two examples that we have because those are the only two losses that they have on the year. Um so, yeah, lots of still really exciting, really great things to look forward to. Um, yeah, lots of hope. So what do you guys think? Yeah, um, I also want to mention, too, that shortly before we came on here, uh, Rutgers, of course, lost to Indiana. So we now have a three-game lead again in the loss column. And there are seven teams tied three games behind us in the loss column. That's insane. So, yeah. If you want to know what the Big Ten tournament bracket is going to look like, learn your tiebreakers now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, anybody else have any final thoughts? No. All good. Cool. All good Dylan, Dylan, how Boilers. many points are we going to win by this weekend and Thursday? Boilers by a billion, boys. By a billion. A billion boys. and one. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, we're kind of everywhere. Um, <clears throat> again, if this is your first time checking us out, thank you for, for uh, tuning in. Hopefully you stay throughout the whole episode. Um, we've got some things in the work coming up as far as guests come that, you know, we can't officially announce yet because there's some still some things in the works, but pretty exciting stuff. And hopefully, you know, come April, um, it'll be a really, really fun episode. So, uh, you know, lots of uh, things to look forward to, lots of good basketball to look forward to this week. So hopefully Purdue can end the week 2-0. And, yeah, boiler up, hammer down, and thanks for tuning in. Choo-choo. Boiler up. Boiler up.